Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, a podcast on how technology is changing healthcare and medicine and how different cultures and countries are coping with technology adoption and implementation. I'm your host, Tiasha Zaitz, and today our topic is mental health. I've got three speakers for you. The first one is Dean Ornish, clinical professor in medicine, president and director of the Preventive Medicine Research Institute at University of California, San Francisco. We discussed a critical aspect of depression, which is the changes in perception that prevent a depressed person to see the light at the end of the tunnel. This short introduction is followed by a discussion with two CEOs of startups offering solutions addressing mental and behavioral health. Before we start, our show today has a sponsor, and that's Buyers G4A. G4A is an innovation community with its aim to impact healthcare by collaborating with healthcare innovators. G4A started as an accelerator program for digital health startups already four years ago in 2014. And as I will explain, they have expanded rapidly. So the accelerator is helping chosen startups to grow in an intense three months program. Apart from that, Bayer has further developed its community and launched uh, another program called the Dealmaker last year. The Dealmaker is aimed at bringing mature digital health and medical startups together with Bayer challenge owners to strike a project deal looking to scale. The newest addition to the program family is designed specifically for the US market, and that's the G4A generator, which was announced in October last year. Its focus, consumer health and empowerment around self-care. If you're a startup working in these two areas, you should definitely apply for the G4A generator program, which is closing for applications on March 23rd, 2018. But there's still time to apply. A few more words about the program. Similarly to the Dealmaker program, Bayer is looking for like-minded partners to advance self-care together. You're going to spark Bayer's interest if you're working in one of the four of these specific areas. Nutrition support, external pain management solutions, sun protection solutions, and digital self-care solutions, empowering consumers to take care of themselves in a holistic way for greater wellness. As mentioned, the deadline to apply to the generator is March 23rd, so make sure to check the website www.g4agenerator.com. There is also another opportunity to get in touch with the team. You can meet them at the South by Southwest Conference and Festivals in Austin, Texas, where the G4A Generator team will be there between 11th and 14th March, located inside the Future for Health Hub in the Exhibition Area. The G4A Generator Program will also be presented at the Future for Health Conference at South by Southwest on Sunday, March 11th at 11.30 a.m. This will be a perfect opportunity for all the innovators in the mentioned consumer health areas to see how to collaborate with Bayer. The finalists for the G4A Generator Program will pitch live in New York on May 24th. 
and the finalist will definitely gain visibility with the world's largest life science company. Winners will receive a letter of intent to close a project deal with Bayer. You can find and follow G4A on Twitter under Grants for Apps for Written with the Number or go to the website www.grantsforabs.com to learn about all the programs, Accelerator, Dealmaker, and the G4A Generator, as well as many more country organizations. Now to our today's topic. Dean Ornish on Depression. What I wanted to talk to uh, to you about is the current state of mental health, mental health issues, uh, and how the whole problem is affecting society. So, if we, maybe we can start with um, an overview of uh, your perception of the problem of mental health in society. You've been in the medical practice for a very long time now. If you look back at the past, how do you see the development? I mean, a hallmark of depression is the sense of helplessness and hopelessness. And the worst thing about being depressed is that it's a reality distortion field, if you will. It's You think you're seeing things clearly, that things are bad, they've always been bad, they'll always be bad. That's what gives you that sense of helplessness. But it's a distortion. And I think in part it's a function of the breakdown of the social networks that used to give people a sense of connection and love and community. You know, 50 years ago in this country, and I imagine it's not so different in Slovenia, people had an extended family that they saw regularly. They had a neighborhood with two or three generations of people that they grew up together. They had a church or synagogue they went to regularly. They had a, a, uh, a, uh, a job that felt secure that they'd been at for 10 years or more. And many people, at least in this country, really don't have those anymore. And we're learning that we pay a big price for that, that study after study have shown that people who feel lonely and depressed and isolated are three to 10 times more likely to get sick and die prematurely than those who have a sense of love and connection and community. So... Uh, treating depression with drugs may be necessary in a crisis, but I think more important is to teach people how they can use non-pharmacologic interventions. One of the things we measure in our study where we're teaching people how to reverse heart disease or diabetes or other chronic conditions is that the diabetes reverses as well, that it, by over 50%. We're actually showing bigger reductions in depression than you see with uh, drugs like Prozac and Zoloft and others. But we're not focusing on depression. We're focusing on health and well-being and social support and rediscovering inner sources of peace and well-being and eating healthier and exercising and doing yoga and meditation. And together, it can really help people rediscover inner sources of peace and joy and well-being. Um, what really struck me when you were talking on the stage today at uh, the health, uh, Startup Health Festival was um, just the mentioning of how people need love, how they need connections, how they need a company, basically. And it seems like with the technological advancement that we are going further and further away from that. Uh, it seems like um, humans as such are really good at uh, being self-destructive with unintended consequences of technologies that are, in essence, designed to bring something good. Well, technology, as I said during my presentation, is just another form of power. And power can be used to heal or to harm. It's how we use it. You know, it's like an electrical outlet. You plug in your lamp, it's good. You plug in your fingers, it's bad. It's just neutral. But so much of technology, in the name of bringing us together through social networking, has had the unintended consequence of often 
creating more depression, more loneliness, because it looks like everyone else has this perfect life but you, because you don't put things on your Facebook profile about, you know, the, 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 te- the test you failed in school or the, the, you know, the time you got rejected on your date or, you know, whatever it happens to be. And so people have this very distorted view of other people's lives. And the nice thing about, you know, when you grow up in a family with extended family or a neighborhood with two or three generations of people, they know you. They don't just know your Facebook profile or your bio sketch. They know where you messed up as well as when you did well. And they're still there for you. And there's something very primal and healing about being seen, you know, like in that movie Avatar, like I see you, you know. I don't just see your good stuff, your Facebook profile. I see all of you, warts and all. And to be able to be seen and still loved and accepted is powerfully transformative. So in our support groups, we're not just helping people stay on the diet and exchanging recipes and types of running shoes. We're creating a safe environment for people to let down their emotional defenses and to just be open and authentic about what's really going on in their lives and to talk about what they're feeling because it's really our feelings that connect us more than our thoughts. You are dealing a lot with prevention in your clinical practice. How does this apply to mental health because it seems that it's in many ways connected to the environment that we uh, live in which consequently also means that to change and to improve mental health on a more broader and more uh, lasting perspective requires a much more difficult change than a simple IT solution. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily more difficult. People often think that taking a pill is easy and changing your lifestyle is hard. But most people don't take their pills, you know, because they don't make people feel that much better. But changing lifestyle makes you feel really good really quickly. And so what you gain is so much more than what you give up, and that's ultimately what makes it uh, sustainable. Uh, like I say, we found a, a 50% reduction in depression scores because, you know, when you eat, you know, there's more and more evidence that animal protein, particularly red meat, increases depression. Too much sugar increases depression. Too much fat increases depression. On the other hand, a plant-based diet, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, soy products, makes you feel better in every way we can measure, including but not limited to the, the psychosocial and the emotional aspects of life. You have a personal experience with depression. Um, what could you uh, extract from that as an advice maybe to those that are struggling especially for those who perhaps had a recurring uh, episodes of depression because if you beat something once you might feel strong but if you fall again that might be even more discouraging than anything well i mean look before. at a three-year-old learning how to walk you know they don't just get up and start walking they walk they fall down they don't go oh what's wrong with me how come i can't do this they get up and they keep walking till they get it right so depression is like that. We all get have episodes uh, of feeling sad or depressed. But the worst thing about being depressed is that you really do think you're seeing things clearly. And all the times you ever thought you'd be happy or ever, all the times you ever thought things would go well, you were just fooling yourself. And so that's where the helplessness and hopelessness comes from, is that there's a real reality distortion. You really think you're seeing things clearly. Things are bad. They'll always be bad. I was just fooling myself when I thought they weren't. But now I know they'll always be bad. And so then you have nowhere to go with that except, you know, like, well, maybe I'll just do myself in. Like, things are so bad. But the thing to remember is that it is a distortion and that there are other ways of looking at reality that are much more fun than that particular one and not to get stuck in that particular way of looking at it. And that's where things like meditation can be so helpful is they can give you a direct experience of a new way of looking at the world. 
What is, in your opinion, the first step to recognizing that you're living in a reality distortion field? Well, if you're feeling really bad, chances are you're in a reality distortion field. Not that things aren't bad in your life. You know, bad things happen. But, um, but they're temporary. This too shall pass. You know, there are always ways of making things better, even when they think like they're, they can never get better. They, they always can. And so to remind yourself, to say, wait a minute. I, I must be seeing things through a distortion or talk to a friend who can maybe show you a different reality or a therapist or whatever. That's where those kinds of relationships can be helpful because they help you realize that we have a lot more choice about how we view the world than we often think. And if you're going to choose to view the world in a certain way, you might as well choose to do it in a way that makes you happy. Being aware of the need to shift your perspective on your challenges is only the first step towards tackling them. The next step is figuring out what actions to take to achieve improvement. Psy Innovations is an emotional wellness and behavioral health startup offering its users tailor-made programs with customized suggestions based on individual-specific activity. The co-founder and CEO, Ritvik Singh, talks about the broadness of mental health challenges and to which extent digital solutions can help address them. Well, the first thing that I really wanted to ask you was the definition of mental health. It's a very broad topic. What exactly are you addressing? We have started off with some of the most common issues that impact the, the masses, so on, um, which is anxiety and depression. And on the preventive side, things that can lead to, to mental health conditions, we've looked at stress. The aim is to make mental health care available to everyone, so we don't want to be just restricted to that. The company was actually started by Navya, who's at Columbia University, and she's worked in a lot of different settings. And one of the idea came to her while working in, in different settings, seeing that there's such a huge gap in mental health, and people talk about making health care available, but there is no health without mental health. Um, you cannot even tackle some of the basic uh, non-communicable diseases. You cannot tackle all, a lot of these issues without tackling mental health care. So mental health care has to be made available. But then the other problem is there aren't enough experts out there globally. Even in a country like US, there aren't enough. So forget about developing world. How do you make that available? Technology is the solution. And that is what was the seed of it. Did you do any comparison of live sessions compared to um, the use of a digital solution or an app? There is actually a lot of independent data on this that's that's available out there on, on effectiveness of especially co cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, uh, on computer-based and versus, uh, versus um, uh, in-person, that it's as effective. So there is a lot of independent research studies. So we did not do an independent because like professors and researchers everywhere have done a lot of studies on that. Uh, the key component remains the engagement part. And engagement is, is depending on this different solutions are different. Anxiety in social situations is something that you specialize in. So nervousness, uh, being able to communicate with others. Um, this is all uh, a very human aspect that a person, an individual needs to conquer. So how do you address that through a digital tool? How does your solution work? Uh, we started off, is, this is something that a lot of people experience. And this is something that people are more open uh, to address because they experience that it, it, it impairs their lives. 
but the way to make it uh, more accessible even through a digital tool is talk about specific problems that they are facing that if someone is having public speaking anxiety they know that that's happening so it's 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 easy for an individual to identify that as a problem and easy for them to see that if i don't have that maybe i'll be able to go ahead and do more presentations and it'll help me in my job in my school and my in my career or interview anxiety this will help me in xyz so it's it's easy to see what it can help in their lives and that's why we started with that it, it it's easy for an individual to align with that if you're afraid of public speaking um the logical thing would be to try to uh, get over that fear by practicing um in front Absolutely. of the crowd and so in technical terms i, I mean it, it's called exposure and in in therapy exposure therapy so the way our program works is initially gives the fundamentals of what kind of thought patterns people fall into what their negative thoughts that they have and with they they have say public speaking anxiety but those are the foundation but at the end of the day they have to apply them in real life so we actually encourage people to go ahead and apply it in real life technology actually makes it easier because you don't have to go and meet someone and talk about it it is actually more private and actually makes it easier to tackle social anxiety through technology medium so it's can you describe how a session looks like so there is a specific structure of our session but every session gets more complex from the previous session as you progress it gets harder and harder and it, uh, i won't say harder and harder it gets more advanced because your skills are get improving so um every session has aspect about teaching what is anxiety how it's impacting you like i'm uh, like this happens to so many people so make people realize it's not just you it happens to so many people out there so that's that's one aspect the second aspect is teaching the core things of therapy or or, or um psychology about and asking questions like what do you do when you get anxious what kind of thoughts are you having what kind of behaviors are you doing and 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 recording that and getting those answers that makes the the user think about it and also eventually in our future sessions we actually end up tackling those and changing those negative behaviors the third part of every session is breathing exercises and then we ask them on a scale of 0 to 10 how anxious are you feeling that's it You're present on two markets. One is the US, and now you're slowly getting yeah. into India. Um, what are your predictions so far? How much will you have to uh, customize the whole solution for the different market? Well, there is customization that would be required for the local context. The underlying platform, the technology remains the same, but. the end solution that the pro- consumer sees would have to be customized depending on the cultural aspects the the underlying stress anxiety depression aspect are the same for human beings everywhere but how they express it what what makes them stressed anxious could be a little different so what specifications are you noticing in the us uh, and what in the on in india as i say like every population is 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 different even within us there are multiple population even within india there are multiple populations i can tell you um the differences in in the us where we're looking at rolling out in more healthcare settings it's more about mental health conditions along with chronic diseases how to make that 
available to more more people in india uh, we're rolling out um, people where where their understanding of mental health is is lower and there is a lot of stigma associated we're making programs that sound less stigmatized like managing your relationship related stress managing your work related stress so so we're changing the way it's presented in different countries then there are cultural things like i mean there's a lot of exam related pressures in 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 india because of the competition there so so basically it's about different ways of describing the same thing it's different ways of describing and different ways of understanding the the same thing so what's the statistics what are what's the demographic around the users so far around 35000 people have used uh, in the program we are seeing people from um, from over 30 countries who've downloaded and and used the program but primarily us and india is where our users are from college students to corporate employees to patients who are coming via their insurance and, and their hospitals that's that's the breadth uh, of 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 the people we do not collect um, i mean in a lot of situations we do not collect specific um, demographic data or personal data from individuals what has the data that you gathered on the users so far enabled you to to discover 30 or 40% of people fall out in the first two sessions itself so they haven't even co- made them committed so the big hump that where we see we've been able to see that making them commit and go through a couple of sessions and see how it's helping them it makes a big difference so getting them and helping them along in that initial phase which is a tough phase for everyone that is really helpful that so that's really helped us When you say mental health it's uh, considered quite a stigmatized phrase so stress management uh, less so stress management has become something that's uh, normal that everyone needs to to deal with but still how uh, do you search for or encourage the use and better care for uh, mental well-being Well at the end of the day it has to be something that motivates them internally and that's why the goals have to be something that they are struggling with and they want to improve and that is why the specific goals of managing say their personal stresses or work related stresses or just I mean, nobody wants to be sick what's your big vision for let's say the next 5 10 years I mean we started off with the vision in mind we always started off with the vision that we want to make mental health ev- available to ev- everyone globally and we want to increase that global presence so beyond um the couple of countries we want to make sure that that dozens of millions if not hundreds of millions globally are getting access to mental health and we are a key component in making that happen Richard Lee, the CEO of startup called Bravely, believes regular 5-minute power calls with peers can have a significant positive effect on individuals' well-being. This is what Bravely offers: short peer-to-peer phone support as a replacement to traditional psychotherapeutic counseling. We started with a discussion on where the inner unrest derives from and how to prevent the disturbances to grow into negative health consequences. If we start with work uh, bravely. So what was the initial idea? How did you develop it? Where is it today? A short introduction. Sure. Uh the 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 blurb on bravely is as as LinkedIn is for professional success, bravely is for behavioral success. Uh where real connection happens and we now know that powers 
health, happiness, productivity in all realms. And uh, just do five-minute power calls every single day and uh, keep the doctors and the psychologists away. Bravely is trying to address helping people through five-minute power talks. When you're talking to someone, are you always talking with the same person? And how much effect can a five-minute talk actually have when, you know, you really get in contact with yourself after taking time for yourself, after taking time for a longer meditation or a discussion or just uh, settling down? Really important. In the blue zones, they don't have, quote, psychologists. They have each other. See, we want to get it back to how we're supposed to be. I'm supposed to, you're supposed to nourish me and I'm supposed to nourish you. And we have lost what we call that relational knowledge. If you can make a note of that. It's how we relate to ourselves and how we, I relate to you, right? So if in my inner space, I'm constantly having to fight the judge, right? Which is the shame judge. When I'm having this relationship war inside, I'm not going to go diet. I'm not going to go exercise. I'm not going to even feel worthy to invest myself. And that was the problem I was dealing with. And that's the problem billions of people are dealing with. Um, you know, mental health, modern physics tells us, uh, is derived from something. It's called cause and effect. And one of the things I noticed in your interviews, you speak of environmental a lot. One of the key, if not the key environmental, is your inner space. It's your inner sanctum. We call it your intrapersonal environment. What affects this inner space is this thing we call shame. And shame is a lack of feeling belonging, worthiness, right? We call it the Judge Judy. So who is in your intrapersonal space, in your inner space, regulates your emotional health and your mental health and thus your behavioral health. And so why is peer-to-peer uh, conversation so important? Because there's only one way to metabolize shame, and that's to speak it. Uh, research shows, if you go into the sociological research and the psychological research, we get hit with what Bravely calls uh, uh, shame hits um, about 50 to 100 times a day. Most of us very unconscious, and those shame hits are like, well, don't screw up, Richard. Um, what will they think of you, Richard? All these things we get hit with, and these cause cortisol. Does that make sense? And without speaking it on a, on a regular basis, it causes chronic cortisol. So on that five-minute uh, power calls, the main characteristic is that you have real people that you as um, a subscriber talk to when you feel uh, in need of a conversation with a real person, right? Absolutely. What's the background of the coaches? Because that's crucial that you get like a professional advice. Um, I, I know that's current status quo thinking. And as you know, revolutionary companies, we don't have much respect for status quo. There's no coaches. There's no psychologists. There's no helping industries because all those show 100% failure rates, nearly 100% failure rates. We're peer to peer. Okay. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, Uber, you know, you're, you're, you're borrowing someone else's, you know, car or Airbnb, you're borrowing someone else's place. We are borrowing each other's real connection. It's the, it, no one's ever done it before. That's why it's so revolutionary. And yet that's the way it's supposed to be because in the blue zones, that's how they have the real connection. 
that powers their behavioral health and holistic health. What's a blue zone? Uh, the blue zones are uh, five of the world's longest, uh, where, where the National Geogra Geographic calls uh, where the immortals live. Uh, and these folks live well over 100, 3.12 million people. Uh, let me see if I can have them memorized. Uh, Ikenawa, Japan, Sardinia, Italy, uh, Nicoya, uh, Costa Rica, Loma Linda, California, and uh, Nicoya, Greece. Uh, and by the way, in these zones also, Tasha, lowest crime ratios, lowest teen pregnancies, lowest divorces, which is correlated with well-being. Uh, they've studied these regions for years. At the very foundation is that the inhabitants power and nourish each other because they're really connected. They don't have facades because a lot of them know each other for three generations, right? So, And now you're, now you're getting to a very important point, which is how the modern society is uh, developing and why are mental health issues, anxiety and depression uh, on the rise? Uh, the U.S. is currently battling the opioid crisis, which is a consequence of some sort of a, this a connect between yes. among people and the feeling of isolation and loneliness. Yes, you're right on. And so again, we bravely, we threw away all. You know, my journey is I suffer level 10 trauma. I score ACES on the ACES test, level 10 trauma, meaning I'm not even supposed to be here. I have a 5,700% chance of suicide. And after my initial public offering in uh, 2000, 2000 um, I thought, you know, as an entrepreneur, wow, you know, I've achieved what Forbes says less than 60%, 60 people has ever done before 35 years old. I should be happy, right? Well, no, I couldn't change my behaviors, which was still causing me depression, loneliness, um, addictions, obesity. And these were all the problems of my inner, inner space. Does that make sense? That we were talking about. And I didn't know that all I had to do was get three to five really good, safe confidence. So power calls in, uh, January 2017 was just recently validated by the world's largest neuroscience study conducted by the Max Planck Brain Science Institute of Germany. They're considered the Stanford of Europe. I'm sure you know who they are. And they presented it at the World Economic Forum. Psychotherapy sessions usually are from 45 minutes to an hour and a half. So how can you compare that to a five-minute session? I know. Isn't that cool? With a non-professional. Yeah, yeah. It, it's actually better. What is the success rate of these, quote, professionals? If you go to Stanford, if you go to Harvard, uh, if you go to any of the top-level research, you'll see failure rates in the psychomedical profession of 85 to 95%. But what does the failure rate refer to? Oh, it's self-admitted. The APA just freely admitted. Stanford just debunked the replication of psychology that over 85% cannot be uh, replicated of the methods and, and all those things. I mean, let's put it this way. The psychomedical uh, helping industries have been around since about the 1850s. If they worked, then why is the world suffering the highest levels of mental diseases from children to teens to adults right now? I mean, come on, 150 years of trial, okay? So let's kill that golden cow. Can you maybe explain a bit more about the power calls? So the people that you talk to, so for example, I have a problem, I'm in a bad mood, I want to talk to somebody, I do a five-minute uh, power call. What is, uh, what is the chance that the next time I will feel like doing that, I will talk to the same person again? Because that's the basic 
need that we have today, you know, finding meaningful connections and those only get built over time. What's the chances is, is almost 100%. So what we train on is this. You need three to five real confidants, brave confidants. Now, why do we say brave? Because I didn't realize this, but it takes tremendous courage for me to listen to your story without trying to quick fix you, without trying to give you advice, right? Don't you hate that? When sometimes you just want to talk and someone tries to, oh, Tasha, it's not so bad. We call that silver lining. Or, oh, Tasha, you think you had a bad day? Listen to my day. And then pretty soon you're shoved in the corner and they're, they're now in the spotlight, right? Um, so why do they do that? Because they're actually scared of your story. They're scared of your own vulnerability. Does that make sense? So we need three to five brave confidants, okay, in our inner circle. And you know what the research shows? That over 75% of us don't even have one brave peer confidant, much less three to five. Oprah just did an interview about this. She said, if you have one, you're golden. Over three, and I quote, you've hit the lotto. So now to answer your question. Um, yes, so you have your inner sanctum. So you have your three to five that you choose on bravely, right? You freely choose, which is really cool. And now imagine this, it's 24 seven real connection. No one's ever achieved this before. Neuroscience now is showing that when you speak, we call it speaking courage, your story. When you speak your courage uh, to, to a stranger, guess what it triggers? It triggers the most oxytocin. And what's so great is for the listeners, guess what it does for them? Empathy triggers their oxytocin and their serotonin. Can you tell me more about your uh, findings when it comes to how behavioral changes can be maintained and uh, encouraged? Um, you know, again, we now know that mental health is an effect that, that, that is derived from a cause. And again, I'll take you back to what we've discovered is the inner space. And you don't need a bunch of science to tell you this. Your inner space, Right. Of, of do you speak mostly with a, a, a shame, which is we call it Judge Judy, right? Oh, you can't do this. How dare you think you can achieve this? Even after you achieve something, Judge Judy says, um, that wasn't good enough. Um, you know, uh, and, and these, and, and until that shame is metabolized and what is replaced with it is love, worthiness, belonging, right? Then we're going to feel, when, we, when that happens, we feel better. Then we do think better. And then of course we do better, right? So we feel, think, do. And so that's the, the, the cause of getting to mental health. So how we feel is derived from our inner space, our relational uh, behaviors there. And then that's affected by real connection, which is our our relationship with others, and that uh, makes our emotional health better, then it makes our mental health better, and then behavioral health. Do you think uh, people rely too much on others and their environment when it comes to how they perceive themselves uh, and how they feel? Whether you're a, a, a leader of yourself, a team, or home, just common sense. You need the right advisors around you, right? Period. Um, I don't know of any top VC that will invest into a company with one founder, 
Okay. I mean, you have to be like the insane single founder. Well, why is that? Because we need others, the power of others, but it's got to be here. Here's your first answer. You need the right people. The right people is what gives us that nourishment. The right people is what gives us that feedback and that self-awareness. Uh, Peter Thiel talks about this. If you're an entrepreneur in his book, zero to one, Ben Horowitz talks about this in his book, you know, the hard thing about hard thing. So even the greatest entrepreneurs talk about this. Reed Hoffman's favorite quote in his book, The Alliance, right? His book is called The Alliance. So it should give you a clue of what he knows about the power of togetherness, right? Uh, Reed Hoffman has a quote, uh, relationships rule the world. So you need the safe relationships. So that's number one. Everybody else, you need to filter out, <laughs> okay? And that's the problem with our social media today. And you know this, I know this, billions of people know this. So many people are getting so stuck in social media. What does she look like? Look at that new bikini she's wearing. Look at how ripped she is. Look at that guy's new Lamborghini, which he didn't even buy. He rented, you know, and, and they're getting so stuck in this fake facade image and that's causing their shame. Does that make sense? We're, 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 we're like thinking all these people are perfect and I'm not perfect. And that all that's doing is building up our shame judge, Judge Judy. Does that make sense? But the inner sanctum people are the ones who love you for you, who love you enough to tell you the truth, who themselves have good relational competence, so they know how to have boundaries and all those important things. Last question you said is very important. How do we move from self-awareness, stay in self-awareness and not in self-obsession? Yes, very good. Here's what's interesting. When someone's isolated, they actually get stuck in self-obsession. Uh, and I can go into all the you know brain talk with you, but the bottom line is when I'm isolated is actually when I'm actually self-obsessing. When I'm doing power calls and moving into real connection, I actually decrease almost all of my self-obsessing because now I'm, I'm moving into real connection and on a biochemical level, I'm triggering all these wonderful oxytocin and serotonin who's responsible for my pro-social and happiness behaviors. It's a real interesting thing. Uh, how is the five-minute uh, coordinated or limited? What happens if you want to talk for more than five minutes? So power calls, there's three types of power calls, okay? And there's, uh, there's the pit stop, which is five minutes. That's the product that's used all the time. Then there's tea time, which is a 15-minute call. And then this is for the celebrities and CEOs. There's the dojos. And I say celebrities and the CEOs because they incur a tremendous amount of stress. I mean, Stanford just came out with a research. They say that over 80% of the CEOs don't even have another trusted confidant to metabolize their stress with. And Ben Horowitz, uh, who's, uh, you know, Ben, right? He's of a recent Horowitz, a multi-billionaire. He says, that's the number one thing any founder must have. You got to have a snot talk partner with. And for Ben, when he was a CEO, that was Mark Andreessen, right? And by the way, Peter Till says the same thing. Peter Till puts, puts relationship, deep connected relationships, more important, okay? If you read his book, Zero to One, he puts deeply connected relationships more important than the technology you're working on, more important than uh, even the timing of, of the business that uh, industry, industry. He says, because without the power of these real deeply connected relationships, you can't capitalize on technology and you can't capitalize on, you know, long, uh, the sustainable uh, timing. So for the CEOs, we have dojos, which is 90 minutes. So five minutes, 15 minutes, 90 minutes, 
And then again, it goes offline beautifully because now you and I know when you meet me, you can go on Bravely and go, is Richard Lee safe? Oh yeah, wow, he's got a 518 Erica score, which stands for Emotional Intelligence Relational Competence Assessment. And you're like, oh cool, okay. So now we can have a really good interaction. You can speak to somebody who gets it and not someone who's hiding from you. This was the fourth episode of Faces of Digital Health podcast. Stay tuned, rate the podcast and subscribe to it in iTunes as this will enable others that are interested in this area to find the podcast as well.